Hi everyone, I'm Andy Vasley, and today on the show, a dive into the power of personal narrative and how shaping our thoughts, words, and actions in the direction of the person we want to become can have a massive impact in our lives. You're listening to the Run Your Life Podcast with host Andy Vasily. So over the past few years, I've had some amazing conversations on my podcast with some of the best in the world at their craft. And through these conversations, I really do love nothing more than to pull back the curtain on optimal performance and the conditions necessary to perform at our best, regardless of what it is we do. Maybe it's being the best parent we can be, or best partner or spouse. Maybe it's being the best in the workplace or even the best in our sport. Regardless, it's about pursuing personal and professional excellence and how the best in the world do this with consistency in their lives. My plan today on the show is to double-click on how we can pursue our own level of excellence And in this episode, I will share snippets from interviews with three very uniquely talented and inspiring individuals who have carved out their own path of excellence in life. The first audio snippet I will share is with a genuine mentor of mine, Dr. Michael Gervais. I'm Michael Gervais, and by trade and training, I am a sport and performance psychologist, and I am fortunate to work with some of the top performers across the planet. And the whole idea behind these conversations, behind this podcast, is to learn from the extraordinaries. We're going to pull back the curtain. We're going to explore how they've committed to both mastering their craft and their minds. He served actually, I think, from 2012 to 2020 as the NFL's Seattle Seahawks high-performance coach. Uh, for eight years and has also coached countless Olympians and other elite athletes in their own pursuit of excellence. So you will hear a little bit uh, from the podcast that I recorded with Michael last year about his belief that every single human is capable of so much more in their life. And he'll dive into a little bit of the work that he's done and provide us with some very important messages around the theme of uh, personal narrative and optimism. As well, we will also hear from Dr. Jim Lair, another world-renowned performance psychologist who has coached 17 world number ones in their sport, including former world number one tennis stars Monica Seles and Jim Courier. I know he coached Pete Sampras for a while. Uh, so many uh, top tennis players um, over the past few decades. Also NHLers, including Jeremy Roenick, and uh, some PGA players as well. He still coaches Justin Rose, I believe. But also he's coached many other top athletes, CEOs, Green Berets, uh, top people in business throughout his career. Uh, He is also a best-selling author, having written such titles as The Power of Story, and Leading with Character, among many other books as well. 
Jim I interviewed probably about two years ago now, one of my favorite interviews, and uh, we really dove into his work around narrative psychology and the importance of developing powerful personal narratives that serve to help us become the best version of ourselves. So I'll be sharing an audio snippet from Jim a little bit later in this podcast. I, I came from a, a deeply religious family. Um, I have a sister who's a nun currently, and my brother became a priest, and then he left the priesthood of Jesuit, and I was a product of Jesuit education for eight years. And uh, uh, my mother and father were deeply religious, and I was kind of, I think, protected um, from the, you know, the, the dark side of life. And finally, we'll hear from Andrea Proska, current Canadian gold medalist in rowing. My name is Andrea Proska. I'm based in Langley, British Columbia, and I'm a gold medalist from the Olympic Games, Tokyo 2020. I won gold for Canada in the women's eight. So that's that big boat that ironically has nine people in it. And we won gold for the first time uh, since 1996 for Canada. So really proud of that accomplishment. Three very separate but interconnected stories that all emphasize the same thing when it comes to pursuing excellence and what it means to create powerful personal narratives that allow us to do the difficult but necessary internal work needed to strive for both personal and professional excellence. Definitely valuable lessons that can help shape our own journeys. So before getting into today's episode, I want to just take a moment to really emphasize the importance of critical self-reflection in this journey. And when I run workshops and coach different clients, that's one of the things I really emphasize is the power of uh, critical self-reflection. So when thinking about today's episode, before we really get into it, I want you to think about your own life and think about whatever it is you are pursuing or desire to pursue. And I want to hold some space for a few moments to ask you a set of questions that I want you to reflect on. And I'll leave some silence between each of these questions. So if you're driving the car or listening to this while you're running or walking or doing housework, whatever it is, um, You can pause and replay these questions because if you didn't really catch them completely the first time, I want you to play them back, listen to them again, and try to think about how these questions apply to you and your life, and to really reflect on the questions and give them some thought before continuing on in this episode. So the first question is, how intentional are you with your thoughts, words, and actions in relation to the vision that you hold for yourself in your own life? And to what extent are your daily, weekly, and monthly goals aligned to 
this bigger vision that you have for yourself. And finally, to what extent is your own inner voice your best coach? Essentially, how kind are you to yourself with your self-talk? The talk that nobody hears but you. The research shows that living with more intentionality and focus takes practice and definitely does not come easy, nor does developing a powerful inner voice that positively shapes what's possible in our lives. But living with intentionality and consistency and working to develop a powerful inner dialogue can make a massive difference in our life as we pursue the best version of ourselves possible. And when I think of this, I I love quotes, but when I think of this in particular, this theme of living with intentionality, a quote comes to mind from John Maxwell. And what John Maxwell says is, an unintentional life accepts everything and does nothing. An intentional life embraces only the things that will add to the mission of significance. So let's take a pause here to listen to a short clip from Dr. Michael Gervais, who I mentioned earlier at the start of the show. I had Michael on my podcast last year. Uh, He's been a mentor of mine over the years, and I've trained under him in an online program that he and his team developed called Compete to Create. It was obviously a genuine honor to have him on my podcast and to have a conversation with him. So in this audio clip you are about to hear, Michael talks about the nature of the human spirit and how we all strive for significance and that we seek and want more in our lives. As well, we want to be impactful and that all of us are capable of so much more than we realize. So as you listen to Michael share his message, think about what comes up for you based on your own life context and what it is you ultimately want to do or achieve in your own life. So here's the clip now. What have you learned about the resilient human spirit, you know, and each person's uh, capacity to navigate their way through their own pain and trauma in a way that allows them to come out on the other side better for having gone through it? You've interviewed amazing people. You've worked with amazing people. But what have you learned? Super thoughtful. Um, the way that you've worded the question, really thoughtful. I think I, the first pass at that is that we are capable of so much more. And most people don't know it. They have a sense of it. And when they get quiet, there's this um, narrative, like there's more in me. And that is the source of frustration. That is the the source that comes, you know, builds some some anger in some respects and can be very depressing too. 
if we're not careful. So it can be this beautiful statement, like there's more in me, like there's more for me to grow and learn and give and to be, um, to express what I'm capable of doing because I matter. And then on the other side, like a very thin membrane, which is like, but I'm not, maybe that's bullshit. Maybe Mm -hmm. I don't matter. You know, so it's a very thin membrane between, between um, despair and um, deep optimism. Like, you know, and I don't say that, I don't say that in a pithy kind of pop psych way, like deep optimism and despair. And so that's the first pass. Um, The second is the fear of the work is harder than the work. And so um, what work am I talking? I'm talking about the internal work to, to know yourself. And this, I, I, I'm in awe of people that say I write and I meditate and, and those two alone are how I have come to know some truth mm-hmm. because I do both of those things. I, I meditate more than I write. I find value in the forcing function in writing, but for me, it comes from conversations. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think I do have an ability to see me in the conversations that I'm having. And then at the same time, my mentors in my life, my wife is a mentor of mine. She has been since we were, we were little kids, oddly enough. Um, I've got uh, a, a man, Gary de Blasio, who's been a mentor of mine since I was 16. And so like they see me and they ask me questions and they get right to the center of it. So this is why am I saying this is because like to really know yourself is not that hard, but you have to put yourself in the positions to know yourself. And that is hard. Mm -hmm. But once you're in it and somebody asks you the hard question and you feel it and you experience it and it touches something and you might rattle, you might cry, you might get pissed, you might do the thing. And once you get past that and you sit with it, it's like, oh yeah, wow. Okay. Yeah, that is true. What am I going to do with this? It's not that hard, but getting to it is hard. Having the vulnerability practiced in a relationship with the people I mentioned and the people, you know, that are important in your life, being vulnerable enough for, to get to the truth takes time. And, and there's some exercising there. And then, you know, all of the worry and the anxiety and the busyness that we go through, um, to not do the work. Once we do the work, we it's almost like we, you know, the old saying like don't be the pe- uh, don't be the pond, be the ocean. Mm. When you do the work, all of a sudden at some point you become the ocean. It's like huh. Like I can handle a lot. And I can I'm not sure if I can handle this thing that's coming up in my life, but I've handled a lot in the past. Let's see. Let's see what we got because you know what this purpose is really big for me, whatever quote unquote purposes for you is purpose matters. It's truthful to me. And part of this is moving through this challenge that is coming up, whatever that challenge might be. And so in my head right now, I'll just share with you, like I'm feeling as I'm feeling like I'm describing something in esoteric form and I'm not being concrete enough. So if I could be more concrete, I'll come back to the statement that the fear of doing the internal work is larger than the, is more, uh, daunting than the actual work. And so to become more resilient, to answer your question, is um, sit down and do the work with somebody or write and or meditate. That's the work. So as you think about Michael's words and his message and think about your own life context, 
Is life happening to you? Or are you consciously choosing to be intentional about the life you have been given? And if you had to reflect on your own dreams and ambitions, how intentional are you with the language you use when speaking with yourself? As I ask you these questions, I'm also trying to answer them with sincerity and authenticity in my own life. There are days that I wake up and I feel completely on track with my own life, my goals, dreams, and hopes. But there are other days when I feel completely misaligned and lack the motivation needed to keep pursuing projects, ideas, and writing that genuinely inspires me to make my own difference in the world. However, I've been able to build a particular skill set that allows me to better identify when I've dropped the ball on intentionality in my life. And through my learning as a performance coach, I've come to understand that when I lose sight of what I feel is my bigger purpose, as well as the steps needed to continue moving myself in the right direction, there are specific strategies I can go to to get me back on track more quickly. This comes through journaling with intention, goal setting, different types of visualization and breath work, decluttering my physical space, and also decluttering mentally. It comes through critical self-reflection and also through social connection. So connecting with people that really matter to me. Now, having said all that, I want to hit the pause button again here and have you listen to Dr. Jim Lehrer and what he has learned about the power of personal narrative through his nearly 50 years of research devoted to narrative psychology and meaning making in life. So here's Jim speaking now. So this journey that I've been on, we had this incredible living laboratory that spanned nearly 35 years. It's called the Human Performance Institute. And to date, we've probably had over 400,000 people go through and all these world-class performers from every arena of business and special forces and military, law enforcement, um, Blue Angels, Precision Flying Team. And as a psychologist, I never really, when I went through school, they really didn't have much to say about that inner voice. Um, But with all of the experiences I've had, I began to realize that there was something going on that was very, very um, powerful in a person's life. And that first of all, human beings are storytellers. That's how we connect to everything is through story. And I wrote a whole book called The Power of Story. And and I began to put a lot of pieces together, both from my own experience and in the research world, called narrative psychology. And um, the the more deeply I immersed myself in it, and the more I began to realize that we all have a, a public voice, 
And we all have a private inner voice. And they don't always, you know, they're not always synchronized on the same, you know, um, plane. And we began to realize that this voice that no one hears but you starts forming very early in life. In fact, even the conversations a mother has with her child, um, and they say they're even believing now that even conversations that the child might be able to hear while they're still in the womb might be having an influence. So if you're, you know, upset, angry, you know, you have a lot of high levels of cortisol, if you're if there's something about the child that you're angry about or whatever, but then all these messages began to take some kind of neurological path. And if it's consistent, by the time the child is five or six, they begin to realize there is a world that is intrinsic to them in their inner private world. And We've, we've come to understand that that story, whatever that story is, is your version of the real world. Um, there is a real world, and then there's your story about it, and you may be completely off. But the voice that you develop is some kind of a, a, an accumulation, um, a synthesis of all the voices that were important to you in the course of your development. And even if they were dysfunctional, you tend to take them on because you want to be like them. You want to be independent. You want to be strong like an adult. And so what happens is if you have a dysfunctional voice with a parent or both parents or uncles or family or even siblings who are older or teachers in school or coaches, remnants of that start showing up in kind of bizarre ways. And um, the healthier that voice and by healthier, I mean, the more it becomes an extraordinary wise coach for you. That it actually, when you're looking for real great advice, you actually go inward, you listen to what others say, but in fact, you kind of, you look to this, this voice is your coach. And some coaches are horrific. They're awful. Some coaches are brilliant and, and always have your best interest at, at heart. And what we learned is that that voice is always evolving and always is amenable to change. And uh, so we started looking for ways to get that voice aligned with what they might say, what someone might say is the very best version of themselves as a coach. What would you say to someone who was in exactly the same situation that you're in and you deeply care about them? What advice would you give them? I call it kind of your personal Yoda that there is a place where you can go to seek wisdom if you've been working to get that inner voice really aligned with your deepest values, with your best self, with your the best character-driven person you could be. And it is absolutely amazing the kind of wisdom that that voice can come forth with.
such a powerful message from Dr. Jim Lair about the impact that Inner Voice has in our own life and learning to develop and build an empowering personal narrative that shows up and manifests itself as the best coach we can be to ourselves. Dr. Lair's work has made a big difference in my own life and my own pursuit of both personal and professional excellence. In particular, his latest book called Leading with Character has been very impactful in my life. It's a book that I've bought and given to a few of my colleagues and friends as a gift because I believe so much in the strategies that Dr. Lair shares in his writing. I highly recommend you get a copy of the book to find out more about Jim's work. And as you reflect on Dr. Lair's message about the power of personal narrative, what comes up for you? When you think about your own inner voice, to what extent is it loving and supportive, encouraging and helpful in your own life? And what Jim often talks about is the difference between our private and public voice, and that there is a distinct difference, and that oftentimes we would never in a million years want the things we say to ourselves broadcasted on the jumbotron or large video screen of a massive sporting event. And the reason for this is that we can be super harsh, cruel, and judgmental with ourselves. We would never want others to actually see how we speak to ourselves at times, and that the things we say to ourselves, we would absolutely never say to another person in our life. So if you do tend to gravitate more toward having a negative or harsh inner voice, know for certain that you're not alone, that thousands of other people, millions, also gravitate towards having a very negative and harsh inner voice. But again, know for certain that there is something that you can do about it. There are skills and strategies you can put into practice to change the way you speak to yourself. A lot of my current coaching work is helping people to better align their own inner voice to what matters most in their life so that there is deep alignment with their thoughts, words, and actions. The work is about helping them gain clarity through deep discussion and implementing specific strategies to help them move in their desired direction in life, both personally and professionally. I want to now take a moment to share an audio clip from my interview with gold medalist Andrea Proska as it connects deeply with the power of personal narrative and building deeper optimism in our lives. But a bit of backstory before we listen to this. So I met Andrea two summers ago at Pearson Airport in Toronto. And my wife, Neela, and our two boys, Eli and Ty, and myself were waiting in the lounge area when we noticed a female athlete wearing Canadian Olympic gear. So obviously that piqued our curiosity, and we went over and kind of got a closer look, and we could see that she had a gold medal around her neck. So my boys wanted to speak to her, so they went up and chatted with her. Uh, Andrea was super friendly and kind and even let them hold her gold medal and get a photo with her. A few minutes later, I decided to write her a message in a card congratulating her for her success 
And in the message, I included my favorite quote, which is actually from Jim Lehrer. The quote has everything to do with the importance of creating a powerful personal narrative. It really is a beautiful quote that I often share with people. So I just wanted to give you that context before we jump into this short snippet from the podcast I recorded with Andrea when we discuss Dr. Jim Lair's quote and how it applies to her own journey of excellence. So here's Andrea now. things I've, I've learned about you through some research and just knowing more about your story is is uh, the power of optimism and again this is rooted deeply in positive psychology you know and Dr. Martin Seligman started the, the positive psychology movement decades ago and why he started it was he was a clinical psychologist and he was tired of clinical psychology looking at why people are so screwed up and he said how about we look at what's great about them and what's working and what their strengths are and just focus on that. So he says that at the heart of it is optimism, which is a belief in a positive future and that optimism is the engine and attitude to persist. And often what happens there with optimism is having a deep sense of what's going on inside with our own thoughts and being able to navigate those thoughts. And when we met at the airport, I gave you my favorite quote. I wrote it down yes, you did. In, in a little card for you. And I want to read that quote again, because that quote has, has helped me through some very difficult times. And it's helped me to understand that we are the master storyteller in our own lives. And the quote is, the power broker in your life is the voice that no one hears. How well you revisit the tone and content of your private voice is what determines the quality of your life. It is the master storyteller, and the stories we tell ourselves are our reality. So as an elite athlete, going through what you've gone through, being 27 and never having rowed in your life and then suddenly embarking on this career of, of excellence in rowing, there has to be something to you, the inner voice. So can you just take us through the evolution of your own inner voice and how that has changed over time and how you've learned to navigate your inner voice in a way that empowers you to always move forward in the most positive and productive ways possible? Yes. I mean, that's such a great question. And, uh, I think that when you, when you're, when you're speaking to yourself, the person who's listening is you. So the, the, there's absolutely so much power in what you tell yourself and how you, how you shape your own reality. So I think that really what I'd love to do is just quickly share how I started rowing because I yeah. think that will tell the story for itself. So as we mentioned, hotel manager, 27, if I went for a half hour run, then I was real proud of myself. Uh, I, I wouldn't say, you know, um, full couch potato, but definitely going there, working a corporate job, um, not really in shape. And in a place that I think a lot of people can find where you're just stuck you have a job, that's okay. And things are going okay, but there's just something missing. And previously I had uh, that void filled by lots of traveling, backpacking adventures. I like to climb mountains. I like to go places I've never been before. 
I want to be on every continent before I die. But I was just stuck. So I decided to go and do Tough Mudder, which your listeners might know is a bit of an adventure tour. So you climb over things, under things, and through mud and electrical wires. It's good fun with a team. On my very first obstacle course, one of our teammates twisted his ankle. And I was like, ooh, that's, that's too bad, buddy. You know, like, I'll see you at the end. But he was crawling on his hands and knees because he said, no, I have trained for this. I'm going to do this. And I need to complete this. This is important to me. And I went, wow. You know, saw this fire in his eyes. A fair play. So myself and one of the other guys stayed behind and piggybacked him very slowly through the entire course, through those electrical wires and through the mud. And we, I got home from that uh, sitting at Thanksgiving dinner with my parents and a family friend and just was so inspired. And when I want to do something like that, I want to have a goal and I want to achieve it. I want to do something I've never done before. Like maybe let's dream big, maybe a marathon. Wouldn't that be amazing? And our family friends Your said, mother had done the Boston Marathon, right? She has. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. She's, she's such an inspiration. Yeah. I want to do something like that. Something yeah. that I've never done before. And a family friend said, well, you know, you should try this sport called rowing. I went, no, no, you don't understand. I want to do something hard, mm-hmm. which anyone who's experienced the sport is, will find that funny because this is a pain sport. It is a hard sport. It starts with a sprint. It ends with a sprint and we are sprinting in the middle as well. It is tough but I didn't know anything about rowing. And so I went, well, you know, why not? I'll sign up for a club. I'll meet new people. Um, I'm six foot one. So supposedly I have what it takes. And I ended up accidentally signing up for a talent identification program. Well, actually my parents signed, signed, uh, signed me up while I swirled my glass of wine and went, (laughs) Oh yeah, sure. I could do rowing. And I showed up and I did the testing and they said, yeah, you know, we think that you have what it takes, but you need to train with us six days a week, two or three sessions a day for no money. We'll provide the coaching and the equipment and you have to show up and do the work and you need to tell us soon, which meant because of the nature of my job, I needed to give them lots of notice. So I actually had to quit my job before I'd even step foot in the boat. So, I mean, I just wanted to do like a running race. This is really not what I signed up for. So I called my parents up because, uh, they're always a wealth of knowledge. And my father being German is incredibly practical. Yeah. If anyone's going to talk me out of it, it's got to be him. And they surprised me. They said, Andrea, you never want to wonder what if. Just go and see how fast you can be. Work will always be there for you. You don't want to be wondering 10 years from now what you could have achieved. And I went, all right. Well, I went to work, quit my job. I said, oh, we didn't know you row. I go, I don't. It's going to be great. (laughs) And off I went and I was awful. I was awful. I fell out of the boat so much. And I started rowing in November in Canada, which was not my wisest move. Very, very cold. Mm -hmm. Um, But that drive of what if took me all the way to the final of the Olympics, where here we are. And that, that imposter syndrome followed me along for a long time, even as I switched disciplines. Who am I to be here? How amazing is it that I get to be here? I get to do this. 
but that what if really got us to that gold medal because I think dreaming big, dreaming gold was almost too big for me to wrap my head around. So you had to break it down. Okay, how do I get a gold medal? Well, to get a gold medal, I have to have my best race. How do we have our best race? Well, we have our best race by doing all the little things right and crossing that finish line, looking at each other and saying we were brave. We did what we said we were going to do. We stuck to the plan and we didn't leave anything behind and anything out there. And if you can achieve something and say, you just did your very best and this is what you're capable of, then what a powerful opportunity to say, Hey, I'm fifth in the world or Hey, I made it to the provincial team. And that's as fast as I can be, but how empowering is that? So, um, you know, I think in getting to your, your, your question about optimism, I think it's optimism. Yes. But also just curiosity and challenging myself and trying to see where failure is and what's possible. Yeah. Because until you run into that, you never know where your limits are. Right. Andrea is amazing and spending time with her and hearing more about her journey and the strength she developed that allowed her to achieve excellence is a genuine lesson that we can all learn from and apply in our own lives. As you heard Andrea admit, she was stuck in her life. Yet she knew she needed change but she couldn't put her finger on exactly what that change was. The lesson here is about the importance of acting on the self-awareness that we may be stuck in our own lives. And if you think about this, if you were to honestly reflect on your own life, to what extent have you felt a sense of being stuck or that sense of knowing that you are capable of so much more? This feeling can arise and manifest itself in many different ways in our lives, such as a deep sense of boredom, a sense of irritation, or easily becoming frustrated, or even the inability to focus for any length of time in our own work. For me personally, I've often described the feeling as also being nudged from behind, as if getting pushed in the back. And the unsettledness that comes with these feelings is a part of knowing that perhaps it's time to change the path we're on. Without question, every great performer has experienced exactly this. But what separates them from the rest is that they are the ones usually willing to leap into the unknown despite uncertainty, risk, and fear of failure. So the last thing I want to leave you with is to share a recent clip from a podcast I was invited on as a guest. It was a bit of a switch for me because I'm always the one doing the interviews as a podcast host, but this time I was a guest, so it was definitely a switch in gears for me. The podcast is called It's Not a Straight Line, and it's hosted by the brilliant Jordan Harding, who's based in Canada. 
And Jordan asked me a very thoughtful question about whether or not I thought that earlier in life, if I projected forward, would I actually be on the path that I am now? And this question aroused deep thought in me because it forced me to scan my life and to try to make sense of how I ultimately ended up doing the work I'm doing now and what the pivotal experiences were that allowed me to build the resilience and skills needed to find my own path and to carve out my own unique impact in the best way that I can. As well, uh, in this audio clip, you'll hear that we discussed the power of personal narrative, and I actually shared Jim Lehrer's quote, so you're going to hear it again. Here is a glimpse into my recent conversation with Jordan Harding on his It's Not a Straight Line podcast. Yeah, it sounds like you have such a, a fulfilling career. You know, I, I can imagine in the name of the podcast and the subject, not a straight line. Like, I, I, I doubt you thought that. Did you think this might be what you were doing? Like when you were in your like late, late teens, 20s? No. What do you think allowed you to or allows you to stay mentally fit as you strive yeah. for your own excellence? Yeah, I think that's a great question and still one that I constantly am asking myself. And when I look back on early life and may, you know, being the youngest, you're not really seen, you mm. know, the, you know, I was, came from a family of five and, you know, I talked about uh, in my Ted talk, losing two brothers, one uh, committed suicide and another one uh, died of drug addiction and both parents, alcoholics. And, you know, they did the best that they could we were a middle-class family, um, but you learn to hide. You just learn to hide and not be seen, especially as the youngest. And in looking back at my life, I always thought it was physical activity and sport that saved my life, but it was my ability to hide and not be seen, to not subject myself to the dysfunction in the house. So you walk out the door first thing in the morning and you just walk into the woods and you go explore all day long and then you come home and then you do the same thing. And some days were okay in the house. It, it was like in my Ted talk, I said it was like a storm on the horizon, always about to hit at unpredictable times, causing great chaos and turmoil. You, you don't know when the storm's going to hit in a family like that. It could just hit one day. And then it could be smooth sailing for three days. So you grow up in a way that uh, you never know what to expect, which means you have to protect yourself and go into self-preservation mode. And I, in reflecting back, I think that's what saved me. But also uh, physical activity and sport. When I got to middle school and high school, I was playing football and golf and, and then really having that purpose, that crystal clear purpose that football was for me. I was a quarterback. I was a punter. I taught myself to punt the football. And I remember at, uh, you know, 12 years old, 11, 12, 13 years old, punting the football every day. I didn't have a coach. I just taught myself to punt the football out in the street in the Canadian 
winters. Amazing. Amazing. Shoveling a little rectangle where I could take my four steps and punt the ball, you know, and I'd have three or four footballs and I'd punt and I'd go collect them and then come back to my little rectangular patch and then take my steps and punt. And then ultimately that led me to playing university football. And uh, as a quarterback punter, I became captain of my university team. So later in life, it was physical activity and sport that absolutely gave me the direction. And when my brothers were struggling, uh, you know, I never missed a practice in 11 years because I couldn't. And failing out of school was not an option because if I failed out of school, I couldn't play football. So I did what I had to do to play football. It wasn't about getting a degree. And then suddenly by my second or third year, I was like, shit, I'm going to walk out with a university degree. And then I started to become focused on that. And I was like, God, I didn't realize it's not about football, but it's also about the, the, the blessing of football gave me a degree. So it wasn't about a degree at first. It was about, I have to keep playing football because this is what I need to do. And you know, you talk about quotes and over the years, you know, another quote that really uh, resonates with me that I hold close to my heart is the power broker in your life is the voice that no one hears. How well you revisit the tone and content of your private voice is what determines the quality of your life. It is the master storyteller and the stories we tell ourselves create our reality. You know, that quote is so incredibly important to me because uh, we all have our own uh, kind of inner narratives, our personal narratives that we bring with us through life. And as we go through life, experiences happen. And then as a result of these experiences, they either reinforce the narrative that we have created for ourselves. So if we have, if we have this doom and gloom type of personal narrative, then we will look to reinforce that narrative. But creating an empowering narrative requires us to look at the positive and to look at the good and to look at the resilience within. And being almost killed in an accident in Cambodia, um, that forced me to realize my blessings in life and forced me, gave me that shoulder tap from the universe to say, you know, you got to start really thinking about your purpose and what you're meant to do. And uh, that's what I've really focused on the last, you know, 10 or 12 years is really reshaping my narrative. So I am not the addiction. I am not the depression. I'm not the anxiety. I'm not the death. I'm not the depression. I'm not the suicide in my family. I am my own journey that I have created by taking a risk and, and living courageously and trying to continually align my thoughts, my words, my actions to live the life that I want to live for myself, for my wife, for my boys. And I think that's been kind of the most powerful moments um, is to understand the power of personal narrative. Mm. And, and, you know, so when you think about your own life and the direction you've taken, you know, narrative is everything. And what you tell yourself is everything. And you can look at what's not working. You can look at all this shit. You can look at the dysfunction. I'm not saying you personally, but I'm just saying people in general can look at everything that's not working and and fall victim to the shit 
And what matters most is to really grab a hold of your own narrative and to live the life um, that you desire to live. But it's not going to manifest itself just by chance. You got to double down. You got to do the work. You got to do the consistent work to put yourself in the best position possible to move towards your desired life. So in closing, I'd like to ask you to, again, reflect on your own current path in life and to think about the extent to which you have clarity over what's next for you. To what extent do you feel settled and fulfilled with your current context? And is there more that you want to do, achieve, or experience? If so, you are not alone. Whether you are already thriving and living the version of your life you always imagined or closing in on being the best version of yourself possible, there is always room for growth, for learning, and doubling down on the things that we need to do to continually pursue excellence in our life. Thank you for listening to today's episode on the power of personal narrative. I hope that it sparked your own thinking about what's possible in your life and wherever you are listening right now and whatever it is you are pursuing, may you shine on and continue to strive to be your best. And remember that with each day, you are presented with a number of opportunities to carve out your own path and vision, one thought at a time, one idea at a time one vision at a time, and ultimately one day at a time. Please get in touch with me if you'd like to chat about these things in relation to your own goals, ambitions, and life context. As well, I'd love to hear any big ideas that resonated with you based on today's podcast. If you're on Twitter, please share these thoughts with me at Andy Vasily. And please share this episode with anyone who you feel will benefit from listening. All the best, folks. Hope you come back to listen to future episodes. And thank you for your time.